When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome, welcome everybody in here, out there, all the ships at sea. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Welcome to The Late Show. Yesterday, President Biden celebrated his 81st birthday. And he posted, sure, why not? He's the President of the United States. He posted a picture of himself with his cake and sweet balls of fire. (laughs) Blow, Joe, blow for your life. Get out of there. (laughs) How did the Secret Service let that happen? (laughs) One person who took the time to mark Biden's birthday was Donald Trump, who chose to celebrate by releasing a letter from his physician that said Trump is in excellent physical and mental health. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, well, sure. We all know Donald Trump is the picture of health, specifically the before picture. (laughs) While the doctor, while the doctor claimed Trump's body is humming right along, the letter contained no details to support his claims. Yes. (laughs) Of course, because doctors rarely go into detail. I'm going to write you a prescription for... Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) Now, enjoy your mystery pills. They're yellow. (laughs) Is it lemon? Doctor also praised Trump's recent weight loss, which he credited to improved diet and continued daily physical exercise. <laughs> so, Ozempic. He's totally on. <laughs> he's totally on Ozempic. And uh, this, he's a machine. He's a machine. Elsewhere in uh, Washington last week, Speaker Mike Johnson announced the release of 40,000 hours of January 6th footage. No, thanks. <laughs> if I want to see 40,000 hours of people attacking each other near the Capitol, I'll watch the real Housewives of the Potomac. <laughs> Speaker Johnson released the footage because far-right conspiracy theorists believes it will prove that there was nothing to see on January 6th. They've already put out a lot of... I agree. <laughs> I think we all agree. And they've already put out a lot of misleading spin, with one noting cameras captured demonstrators peacefully marching through the halls of the Capitol while police officers stood by. Well, of course, if you don't count the violent rioting, there was a lot of lovely footage. (laughs) It was like watching the Zapruder film and saying, wow, the weather was really nice. MAGA Republicans immediately used the footage to bolster their January 6th conspiracy theories. It started with Utah senator and mime being crushed by an invisible armoire. (laughs) Mike Lee. Last week, Lee uh, retweeted a theory about how this Capitol rider was really an undercover federal agent because he's holding a badge. Like you do when you're undercover. (laughs) 
Listen up, I suspect we got a rat in our midst. It's either Jimmy Two Shoes over there or Officer Johnson, badge number 425. <laughs> it's Jimmy. Kill him. Kill him. Stab with your badge. Stab with your badge. Badge stab. Here's the thing about that badge. Turns out it's not a badge. It's a vape. <laughs> Cops don't generally flash e-cigs. Unless they're in my new vape-based buddy comedy sitcom, Blue Raz Lemonade and Storm Ice. <laughs> you have the right to remain alive with flavor. <laughs> Mike Lee's not the only Republican saying crazy stuff out there. He's joined by a Louisiana representative and guy who just found that plate of chili you left on his seat. <laughs> Clay Higgins. During a hearing with FBI Director Christopher Wray last week, Higgins, out of the blue, asked this. Are you familiar with... with... You know what a ghost vehicle is? Director, director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? A ghost bus? Ghost bus. I'm not sure I've used that term. Oh, oh, I have. When you're newly dead and you miss the train, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters! <laughs> Thank you. One rehearsal. One rehearsal. You're all in the union now. <laughs> Higgins then explained what he thought a ghost bus was. It's a vehicle that's, that's used for <laughs> secret purposes. It's painted over. These two buses in the middle here, they were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, 0500. I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. Mr. Chairman. These two buses... Mr. painted completely white. These buses are nefarious in nature and were filled with FBI informants dressed as Trump supporters. It could be. No, no, it could be. Or, or, follow me down the rabbit hole here. They were just white buses. <laughs> There's this thing called Occam's razor, which is what I use to cut my ears off when Clay Higgins speaks. <laughs> of course... Not everyone's trying to put Trump back in power. We hear a lot of warnings from a large group of anti-Trump radicals. Uh, they're called people who have worked with him. <laughs> the Washington Post recently interviewed 16 former Trump aides, and they all had one message. He shouldn't be president. That's a little bit of a red flag. <laughs> Pay attention. That's, a, that's eye-catching. It's like a hinge profile that says, the funny thing about me is all my exes testified against me at the sentencing. <laughs> it's honest. One of the loudest critics out there is Trump's former chief of staff, John Kelly, seen here just as the chamomile hits. <laughs> Kelly recently posed a tough question. What's going on in the country that a single person thinks this guy would still be a good president when he said the things he said and done the things he's done? Yes! It's impossible to understand. Some people think he's disgusting. Some people love him. He's like cilantro that wants to put immigrants in camps. <laughs> Kelly. There you go. Okay, we got there. We got there. we got there. Kelly was joined by former White House counsel Ty Cobb, who said this of Trump. He has never cared about America, its citizens, its future, or anything but himself. And you can trust Ty Cobb's judgment, because if you look at him, you can tell he knows who's naughty and who's nice. <laughs> That's what he actually looks... He's getting out there. He's getting pretty far out there. 
Uh, of course, it's almost Thanksgiving. Hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, the holidays come. We try to keep things light on the show, but we also do our best to reflect the national conversation. And in that spirit, we have to address some recent news that speaks to one concrete defining truth, regardless of your background, your political beliefs, or whatever god you pray to. Some bats seem to use their huge junk to have weird sex. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Steve, huge junk, weird sex? What's all this science mumbo-jumbo? <laughs> this isn't an episode of Nova. So let me, let, me, let me break it down for you guys. In a study that came out yesterday, researchers found that some bat species don't have penetrative sex. Oh, my God! This changes something, probably. <laughs> instead, instead of penetrative sex, these nocturnal hornballs engage in close contact kissing using their large penises like an arm during sex. <laughs> so they use their penises to check their texts? How did researchers get the data that led to this incredible breakthrough? They received an unsolicited email from a Dutch retiree who had been recording bat sex in a church attic. <laughs> Amsterdam, Grandpa. Wow. Uh, hey. Uh, hey. What's, uh, what's P-Pop doing now that he doesn't work anymore? Oh, uh... Oh, he has his hobbies. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, you know what that means. There's urgent breaking wildcat news. I'm, I'm getting word that a cougar was spotted in a public park in Oregon. Oh, my God. A public park in Oregon? That can only mean one thing. Cougars can play hacky sack. <laughs> sorry. Sometimes you just like the joke. Sometimes you just like the joke, and I'm sorry. It's unprofessional, but I enjoy the joke. For more, we turn to KGW, Oregon's news leader. New tonight, a warning in Tigard, where there's been a cougar sighting at Cook Park. The city put out the alert tonight, telling people to be aware of their surroundings and to keep their dogs on a leash. Of course, one of cougars at large, you should also keep your sons on a leash. <laughs> now, wait, that other noise means there's an update on our wildcat news, because apparently... What everyone in Oregon thought was a cougar has turned out to be a house cat. <laughs> Cougars are very big. How'd they get that mixed up? One's a cold-hearted killer with no regard for human life, and the other one's a cougar. <laughs> now, maybe... Maybe there's a little bit of a clue. Do we have this? In this actual footage of the creature captured by a brave local citizen, it's a bit grainy and distant. Let's see it again. Jim, enhance! But seriously, how did they think a little kitty cat was a wild cougar? Psychedelic mushrooms are now legal in Oregon. Got it. Got it. Okay, I understand. I understand. I didn't know that. I, 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 I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That also explains recent sightings of a pool of infinite light and understanding that turned out to be a squirrel. We got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Bradley Cooper. 
check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest tonight is a talented actor, screenwriter, and director whose new film is Maestro. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Bradley Cooper. Please, please. Thank you. But it's it's good to see you again. It's, it's always good to see you. It's, it's always good to be here. Nice to have a conversation with you, Bradley Cooper. Woo. You're such an interesting uh, artist and with such an extraordinary range. The, the last time we were here was uh, no, the first time I spoke to you on the show was for Star Is Born. That's right. Um, again, extraordinary, just stunning movie. And your your your, fret, your debut as a director. Your debut as a director. And you told the story then of Spielberg watching an early uh, cut of A Star Is Born. Yes. And 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 he had said, "Okay, well, you have to direct Maestro, Maestro." Okay, so how do you wrap your head around um, uh, introducing for the first time or exploring for an audience who may know his life already and his work a towering figure? Like Leonard Bernstein. Well, the exciting thing was if we went to a coffee shop anywhere, I guarantee you 2% of the people would even know who Leonard Bernstein is. It's the truth. So this was a very exciting prospect because his music, first of all, he as a person was just fascinating, but his music is nuclear. And I thought if I can make a movie where it could be scored to his music, there's a real possibility for something transcendent. When I was doing A Star is Born, I always knew if... Lady Gaga's voice, it was nuclear. It was just for me to mess up, you know? And, and I felt that about this movie. Yes. I really did. And in, in researching, because I didn't know what it was going to be about, I knew I didn't want to make a biopic because, like a straightforward, because he's one of the most videoed, photographed musicians of the 20th century. All through the like, I mean, 50s and like, the 60s, yeah, he was out there explaining as classical improved, music and other things. He kept things. being on the forefront. Yes. He had a television show for 15 seasons called Young People's Concert. Yeah, which is incredible. Yeah. So like his Peter and the Wolf is the Peter oh, and the yeah, Wolf that's you know. Right. That's yeah, right. Exactly. And uh, I just fell in love with him, Stephen. I just fell in love with him. And the fact that I got to be him was nuts. Well, it seems was... like a lot of people fell in love with him. Yeah. Because he loved love. He was infectious. He loved love yeah. clearly. Like yeah. the enthusiasm that the he people that I would sorry to interrupt. Oh no, yeah. no, go, it's your, you're the guest. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I would I would interview all these people, you know, and doing research and all, and and you know, a lot of people in their nineties, you know, who knew mm. him and a lot of sort of uh, older women. And uh, the thing that they always said as I was leaving was, um, well, you know he was the most beautiful man. And I said, yeah, no, no. And you're going to play him? And I said, yeah, you know, it's going to be prosthetic. And <laughs> but they would always like, And they had, like, little photos. This is nice, but it's no <laughs> Lenny Bernstein. Yeah, it's like, no Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> okay? But as an actor, okay, that's a director, and to a certain extent a producer and writer, but as an actor, how do you... Um... I mean, become Leonard Bernstein, or rather, how do you wrap your head around how to be yeah. your Leonard Bernstein? Daunting. Yes. Terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Because they also described him as when he walked into a room, he just took over. I mean, you just couldn't take your eyes off him. How, how do you play charisma? I mean, it was just terrifying, Stephen. Mm-hmm. So I, luckily, I had five and a half years that I could work on it. And he had this incredible voice. He was so melodic, the way he spoke. So I worked with this incredible 
dialect coach Tim Monick, and we spent five years. I started working on it before Starsborn came out. And he lived basically at my house, this dialect coach, and we worked five days a week, eight hours a day, and we just broke it down because his voice always also changed throughout the course of his life. And this movie takes place, it's about his relationship, which we will get to Carrie Mulligan, who's incredible yes. in the movie. Yes. Uh, it's about a relationship of marriage. And his voice changed. His voice changed. He was a heavy smoker, started smoking when he was 13. There is barely a frame in this movie yeah. that He's Leonard Bernstein smoking. is not smoking. That's right, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just, it wasn't just this had the very singular kind of placed voice with the way he spoke, but he also seemed to always have the word he needed. I'm and they were never at a loss for words. Never. And such penetrating insight on anything that fell under his purview, which was the world of music. Yes. And did you find yourself in your own life having more facility than you normally would because you were playing a paragon? That's such a great question. The answer it's is... what at I do, least... baby. <laughs> In my mind, yes. <laughs> In my mind, I was ridiculously eloquent. <laughs> but I did, I did. <laughs> I was like, I've gotten very smart. <laughs> um, okay, I have a question. You heard me talking out here about your movie and, and I mean, everything I said. I really, everybody should go see it. It's really, it's quite unique and very beautiful. And it reaches into your chest and does this magical thing that music does, which is it changes you from a distance. And, and that's, it, it, it itself is a piece of music itself. It's like a very that's tight right. little concerto with movements in it. That's right. A beautiful coda at the end that's with right. Felicia. Yes. Where does, this, where does this artistic ambition come from? Has it always been there? Has it always been someday they'll all see? Or, or, or did it grow, or did it grow as you grew? I think that um, the confidence to dream uh, grew. I think when I, when I know when I was a kid, I, kids would make fun of me because I knew what I wanted to do when I was like 11. And that was really an asset to be so focused, but it was just acting. But the truth is it was filmmaking, but I don't think I allowed myself the, the, the courage to dream that big. But when I first started acting 25 years ago professionally, Right away, I knew that this is what I want to do. And it was just about um, having the opportunity and, and, and taking the leap of faith. I mean, I, but I have to say, I've never made something fearlessly. And I think it, I know it's because uh, Lenny was with me when I was making it. I really, it's kind of, I feel like time has bent. I can't believe I didn't know him. I felt like, mm. I feel like I knew him. He died in 1990. Um, but, it's extraordinary uh, how you can love the people you never met. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Um, but he gave me the courage to, to, uh, like you said, cinematically uh, attack this movie um, with utter fearlessness. Well, uh, one of the things that is remarkable, I saw it with my wife, Evie, and she said, um, five minutes in, I no longer saw Bradley Cooper. I, you look so much like Leonard Bernstein. This is, this is sort of the older Bernstein and the older you. This is, an, this is an example of that look. And it's really hard to tell those two gentlemen apart right there. Um, how long did this take? So that look, for Kazuhiro, the most incredible makeup artist, uh, I worked with for years, years, four and a half years, and we just kept testing it. He has an insane work. We're both sick. We both have this crazy work ethic. So it was a beautiful, it was like a marriage made in heaven. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Bradley Cooper, everybody. Stick around. Hey there, Jordan Klepper from The Daily Show and Comedy Central. Ever wonder what happens behind the scenes or want to catch some extended interviews? Well, now you can. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast for full episodes, extended content, and a whole lot more. The Daily Show Ears Edition is available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, everybody, we're back with the writer, director, and star of Maestro, it's Bradley Cooper. I loved how you embodied Bernstein's physicality, not, not just his look and his sound, but from the back, especially when you're leading a choir through, like, the Laudate, it's him. You're, the, the physicality is extraordinary. Tell me about working through that so you're embodying him from head to toe. Again, I had years to do it, and he's so photographed uh, and videoed. So uh, early on, I came across, which you can see on YouTube, this Mahler II, Mahler's Second Symphony, The Resurrection, which to me is arguably the best piece of music ever composed. And there's a video of him doing in this cathedral outside of London in the 70s. And I was like, we got to do that. That's going to be when you see the shark in the movie. And it's the only real piece in the movie where you see him conduct. And it's sure. six minutes and 20 seconds. Imagine that, like, you know, there's going to be a, a moment in the movie where we're just going to watch a guy conduct classical music for six minutes. And you worked on that for how long? I worked on it for six years. And because uh, it's impossible to conduct. I've always been in love with conducting as a kid, fake conducting as a kid. <laughs> Uh, from, like, Tom and Jerry and, and Bugs Bunny. Uh, <laughs> but, like, loved it too much. Like, asked Santa Claus for a baton, spent hundreds of hours conducting in my room. Uh, no, no, it's okay. It was all right. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> and it served me. It served me for here. Um, and then I worked with Yannick Seguin, who's the music uh, director of the Philadelphia uh, Orchestra. Yeah, he's incredible. And Gustavo Dudamel, who's mm. the uh, music director sure. of the L.A. Phil, and and uh, I got to sp I spent years with them. And the New York Phil opened their doors. I would put Lee to bed and go there three or four nights a week and watch. Mm. It was just it was heaven, Stephen. But well, I learned how to do it to a degree that I could then at least play conduct those six minutes uh, in front of. That's live when you see in the movie. We're there in the cathedral. That's the London Symphony Orchestra. They're all unicorns. You're talking about the maybe maybe the top three orchestras in the world. And they've all been doing it since they're four years old. I remember, like, the concertmaster in the middle, he's showing me a picture when he's four with two wooden spoons. He's like, that's when I first started playing the violin. I was like, oh, my God. It was just incredible. Well, the, and here we go, Jim. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I can't imagine the high that must that have been. Crazy. That was crazy. To do that. Yeah, that was that. Now, now I want to see another movie where uh, Leonard Bernstein has to fight Lydia Tarr. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I, we, I can't let you go without talking about your co-star, Carrie yes. Mulligan. Yes, And her uh, performance is, is so extraordinarily beautiful. And your love for each other... Yeah. For, uh, for, for, for Lenny and Felicia is so extraordinary. The movie is a, a love story of many kinds, but this, this love story is at the heart of it, between yes. the two of them. It's extraordinary, a complex relationship. Um, it, has, it has its ups and downs to it, but it ultimately, it's an act of total love all the way to the end. Yes. And tell me about how you worked on your characters with each other. Tell me about what that character, Felicia, 
meant to Lenny Bernstein. I mean, that was the reason I wanted to make the movie, was discovering this, unearthing this incredibly um, dynamic, difficult, haunting, funny, hilarious, inspiring marriage that they had. And early on, I was looking at photographs, and I just kept thinking, Carrie Mulligan, Carrie Mulligan. And she happened to be doing a one-woman show in the West Village. I went to see it. And I felt like divine intervention at so many points in this film. She comes out on stage, there's a key light on her. She happened to have blonde hair at the time. Felicia had blonde hair much of her, uh, her mid-40s. And it was like Felicia was right there. And I asked her four and a half years ago to do it. There was, I hadn't written the script yet. And she said, yes, I'm, I'm willing to go on this road with you. And we just worked. We worked, Stephen. And she worked with Tim Monick. She, she just did everything. I've never been with a, an actor that has been so committed. And we just, once we arrived on set, we really were just, it didn't feel like acting. It felt like we were just channeling the, these people. So it was so thrilling. Uh, I mean, I'll never have an experience like this. I, I probably won't have time to continue this conversation with you because they've been trying to rat me okay, for the last okay. five minutes over there. But I just have to ask you about one thing. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing and it's actually many things. And I think there's an extraordinary generosity as a director in this about how you will, in, say in that case when you're in the theater for the first time together, and you land the camera on her, talking to Leonard Bernstein, who is charming and, and magnetic and a gravity well of his own, but the camera stays her on her the, other t uh, the whole time. And that happens multiple times yeah. in the film. We just stay on one person. As a director, um, there must be some temptation to cut, 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 cut between people, but you just let us love the people, a single person as they're revealing themselves. And I'm curious whether that was a discovery when you're editing, or was it a plan going in? That was absolutely planned. There's, like, nothing on the cutting room floor within the scenes. Uh, that, that was it. Uh, and it was, all, it was because I wanted to show his impact on people. That was part of it. You know, that's why when, she introdu when he introduces her to David Oppenheim, who Matt Bomer plays, who's incredible, you don't even see Lenny. And he says, oh, that was that insensitive of me? <laughs> and you're just in these huge close-ups in that 1-3-3 aspect ratio that is a specific aspect ratio where close-ups are so beautiful in this film. And so, you know, that was all part of the design. And again, I had so much prep that I really f knew how I wanted to tell the story. And it's musical. You yeah. know, that's why cutting changes things. You, it's right. a different rhythm. Yes. And so everything was, was musical. As, one, as you said, then we go to the pauses. There's moments in the movie where there's just nothing and you're just sitting yes. there with somebody. And then if you hold it there, the performer s establishes the rhythm. That's right. You know. Oh, and, and the they are playing degree. the instrument, not I mean, the camera she, playing she, them. She played a. I mean, she was an incredible musician in this movie. There's yes. no way I could have. I mean, there's a there's a fight that they have, uh, in Thanksgiving at the thank, during their Thanksgiving parade, and it's one shot uh, from the distance, and she, and Carrie is just she's just playing music so beautifully in that scene with her the melody of her voice and her acting. Now, another another aspect that I loved I loved the sort of. Um, um, catching the giants of the 20th century who kind of come and go throughout this story. Yes, yes. That the fact that I was talking to Evan, and I went, oh, 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 that's Aaron Copeland. He called him Aaron. That's Aaron Copeland. That's Jerome Robbins. That's right. I didn't know that uh, uh, Leonard Bernstein had a relationship with Aaron Cohen. I, that's so Aaron Copeland was Bernstein's best friend, arguably. Uh, they knew each other when he was in his 20s. He lived on his couch. Uh, he met him at a, at a play. Uh, he was sitting next to him. He was a huge fan of Copeland. They became dear friends all the way through till the, to they were, in the, they were uh, older gentlemen. And my best friend, since I'm 10 years old, is Brian Klugman. And I asked Brian Klugman, because you do anything you do not to act. I said, you got to play Aaron Copeland. So he's Aaron Copeland in the movie. <laughs> and he was wonderful. Yeah. And the two of you. Yeah, that was amazing. Together. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, we got, we got to go here, but... Um, 
Thanksgiving is, is Thursday. What do you have planned? Yeah, uh, we're going to go to Jersey, and then we're going to go to uh, Fairfield, Connecticut to, to spend it with the Bernsteins, which would be amazing. The children. Oh. Yeah. Well, and we shot in that house. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Bradley, maestro, thank you so much thank for you. being here. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.